0: The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: Hi, I'm Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with a Slate spoiler special, the first of 2011, on the new Ivan Reitman movie, No Strings Attached. Joining me in the Slate studio today is Lindsay Robertson. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Dana. Lindsay, you are a freelance writer, a frequent spoiler companion, and uh, you're just starting a new, you're launching a new blog, a television blog for Yahoo next month? Yes. Will you come back in and tell us about it when it gets started? Of course, yes. <laughs> Great. In the meantime, I'm, I'm really glad you could come in and see this movie with me. In fact, it made this movie so much funner that you saw it with me that you just you just brightened my week because otherwise <laughs> it would have been a real drag. So um, I guess it's pretty obvious. I didn't love No Strings Attached. you want to give me a quick reaction? Um, I, it gave me two hours to contemplate my mortality. <laughs>
0: Which uh, I want movies to distract me from that, and it's kind of a memento mori, <laughs> like
1: a skull on your desk, kind of thing. Yeah,
0: um, I yeah I did, and it was almost two hours too for a romantic comedy. That's really a long time. It's definitely a movie that you sense
1: the duration ticking away as you're as you're watching it. Yeah, which shouldn't be happening in any kind of comedy or romantic comedy.
0: I think it actually might be longer than True Grit, which just doesn't seem right. <laughs>
1: So and not very much happens in those two hours. So let's go over the uh, the story of this movie. Also, uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the production history of the movie, right? It's, it was sitting on a shelf, I think, for a while, and has been re-released because it stars Natalie Portman, and she's so big now with her Oscar push for Black Swan.
0: I guess so. Yeah, it was originally called um, uh, Can I Curse? Yeah, <laughs> um, it was originally called uh, Apparently Fuck Buddies. There's no way they could have marketed and, under that title, yeah. right? And it was a like supposed to be a female-driven sort of raunchy comedy. And then it was called Friends with Benefits, but because there's, like, a, a sitcom and, like, five other movies called that, um, they changed it to No Strings Attached um, really pretty recently. Um, and it was – you can kind of see, as you were saying earlier, you could kind of see, like, the bones of how it was supposed to be a, a raunchy female comedy, female-driven comedy, but um, it's not anymore. It's it's just terrible.
1: It's pretty much yeah a standard romantic <laughs> comedy. I would say that it's it's more of a girl movie than a guy movie, right? I mean, it's it's got a lot of raunchy humor. It's R-rated. The raunch feels to me like they're reaching to have raunch to try to drag in, you know, more of a guy audience. But it yes. definitely seems to me like it's a date chick flick kind of movie. I mean, in terms of its marketing niche, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I guess it's not Valentine's
0: Day, close enough to Valentine's Day, but I think they're trying to, you know, have it be that kind of movie. That's right. You saw
1: in Spoiled Valentine's Day with me, too. Yeah. You're right. Dana, you can't start... escape. Ashton, Ashton Kutcher, you and me, cannot get away from other I chain. know. you got to start taking me to better movies. I promise. <laughs> the next one will be better. So, okay. So let's talk through the plot of this one really quickly. So Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman, right? Yeah. God, it's already so dreary. <laughs> um, he's a... Writer for a TV show in in LA that sort of seems like oh I thought it was supposed to be High School Musical because it seems even more bland than Glee but yeah it's a musical show about high schoolers right yeah that was an odd tonal thing in the movie too because at times they seem to be making fun of how shallow and ridiculous the show is that he writes for but then there's a big plot point where he gets to write an episode and it's presented as this kind of artistic achievement and he's really proud you know there's not any sense at all that you know he could be doing anything better than writing for this show so it wasn't really clear how satirical the the show was being was whether it was being made fun of or not Mm -hmm. anyway he writes for that. Show she is a. I don't know if she's actually a doctor yet. Maybe she's a resident, but she's an aspiring doctor who lives in a very sitcom-style um, roommate situation with a bunch of other aspiring doctors, right? Yes, uh, including Mindy Kaling as one of her roommates. Greta Gerwig plays one of her roommates, and then of course they have to have like the funny gay guy roommate. I don't know who that guy is who plays him. Uh-huh. Is that it? Is that it for her roommates? I yeah, think so. And he also has to have a wisecracking roommate. So they're both these 20-something Angelino types. They both seem to live very nicely, right? He actually has a whole beautiful kind of 60s-style ranch house to himself and his Mm -hmm. roommate. And, oh, walk us through their relationship. I'm bored with them already. Uh, Okay. So they first meet at
0: Camp Weehawken, um, where he asks if he can finger her, and she says no. Right. That's like the little
1: cold open to the movie, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, I was actually surprised that they used young actors instead of them for that scene. Because like, they can easily be youthened, right? And comically yeah. youthened down to age 15 or so. Totally, yeah. Um, but then they meet again um, at this, the, like, the worst college party, frat party ever, and she says, uh, will you come with me to this stupid thing tomorrow? And it turns out to be her father's funeral. And so he's sitting, and it's played for laughs, like he's wearing, like, his Michigan um, you hoodie. Know, yeah, gear, and, like, at this you know, somber funeral. And then they don't see each other again until, uh, I guess they're both living in LA. They meet at this green market. Um, and then they see each other like, so they basically, they barely know each other. And then he, uh, gets, dumped by his girlfriend, or he fu- gets dumped
1: by his girlfriend and find out, finds out his girlfriend is um, uh, sleeping with his father. Right, which is, which becomes the B-plot, which if anything is even drearier than the A-plot, which is that Kevin Klein, who plays Ashton Kutcher's father, who's supposed to be a, a famous retired TV star. Yes, Great Scott is his catchphrase. That's his catchphrase from yeah. his old sitcom. He steals his girlfriend, steals his own son's girlfriend, who's this very vapid British girl. I just found that story so unpleasant, unappealing. We'll get to it later. Yeah. Even though Kevin Klein is usually wonderful, he just was so sad stranded in that part. Anyway, his dad steals his girlfriend. He gets depressed. He gets incredibly drunk and in an overly long montage, he calls every girl in his phone trying to get her to sleep with him, right? hmm
0: And so, basically, he sort of, this is all in the trailer, which I, has been really ubiquitous, so I feel like everybody's seen the scene where, like, he's sitting on the couch naked, he wakes up on the couch naked, and, like, all of her roommates are, like, messing with his head and, and saying that they slept with him and he, you know, are making him think that and then, for some reason he Natalie Portman does have sex with him in the morning. Uh all of a sudden in this Can we just talk about Yeah, let's get to the first sex scene. It's it was the most uncomfortable like moment of my year so far. <laughs> like sitting there watching this like claustrophobic
1: just horrible sex. Yeah, you were saying you didn't even know the man sitting on your left, but you felt horribly embarrassed just be sitting to be yeah. sitting next to a man watching this this, this yeah. scene. Um it was just Well, the weird thing about it is that it was really bad sex that was presented by the movie as good sex. Yeah. Right? And she essentially tells him at one point you have 45 seconds to finish or something. It was so gross. And it's not particularly graphic, but it's just a long close-up on their two sweaty faces really close together as they conclude this hasty sex act Yeah, that seems like both parties would leave it. I mean, it would have been an interesting plot turn if both parties had left it feeling like, oh, that was kind of gross. But then they had eventually gotten together anyway. But they actually leave thinking, oh, that was really hot. But because of the kind of person that Natalie Portman's character is supposed to be, who to me, this was just a total script contrivance. I didn't see it in her character. But she's supposed to be this emotionally removed person who doesn't want a relationship, right? So she essentially proposes that they be sex friends. As yes, be, sex proposes. friends,
0: which nobody says. Um, that phrase. I don't. I don't know. Maybe the kids say it, but it just seems really unimaginative <laughs> and literal. Um, well, intercourse I think, acquaintances. I was thinking maybe uh, part of her whole because she's got this like. There's something about Mary thing about her character that's supposed to be like this. You know, male fantasy. Um, you know, she's a doctor, but you know, she's she plays golf really well, and you know, drinks and like all does all these things. It's like really reminds me of there's something about oh and the big classic thing is like and she eats like a horse right the super super
1: skinny skeletal girl who eats giant breakfast yes
0: that's another thing and then but maybe i was thinking maybe that bad sex was like part of the male fantasy it's like oh i found a girl who likes bad sex like yay you know i don't know but it was oh god it was it was awful it was just don't see it (laughs) <laughs> you know, I guess everybody listening has already seen it, so I'm sorry.
1: Well, what is there to spoil in there? What what can we give away? I mean, I think it's pretty inevitable that we know that they're destined to end up together at the end. Yes. But there are some moments along the way that were sort of surprising. I think the most surprising thing to me was just the, um, I don't know, the general cynicism of and sourness of the world that this movie takes place in. It's not the only romantic comedy recently that's taken place in that kind of world. It, it made me feel like if this is in any way a missive from the lives of of twenty somethings that it would be really sad to be a twenty something right now. I hope and I think that it is not any such missive. But I did read a review by a critic who's a lot younger than me who was saying, Oh, this is seems very true to the way a certain sector of twenty something Angelinos live now or something and I thought, God help them.
0: Yeah. Um it, it seemed like well, Natalie Portman is a crazy asshole in this movie. You know, she's she's just violent
1: Oh, that's right. She physically need. attacks him at one point. That's something we should talk yeah. about. They, they have this one date after they've been sex friends for, I don't know, it seems like a few months in the movie's time frame or something. And and he tries to take her out on a real date because one of the twists, I guess, or the, the reversals is that he's the one who's more into a relationship, right? And she's the one who's fleeing. And uh, And they go out on this date. And at a certain point, for a fairly unmotivated reason, she jumps on him and starts hitting him and punching him to the point that a security guard has to break them up, which could have been... A moment that the movie went sort of dark, like, oh, actually, she's this girl with violent tendencies, you know? But I guess partly because Natalie Portman's so cute and tiny, which becomes the joke, and he says, like, you're no bigger than a hamster, and you know, you can't, you're, you're Rick Moranis and all this stuff, and she's so tiny that she's not a threat to him. So then I guess we're not supposed to care that she's the kind of person that just socks her boyfriend. <laughs> it just yeah. seems disturbing. It was – I mean she's she's selfish
0: and I, she's just – like he's going to have a terrible life with her. I guess that's sort but of – But the
1: movie doesn't know that, right? I mean yeah. the movie doesn't seem to have any idea that she is a, a total jerk. Yeah. She's
0: just closed off because her father died. You know, that's how they try to paint it. Um, I guess like one spoiler would be uh, the moment where she really realizes that she should be with him is um, when her mom tells her, you've tried not to get hurt. Since your father died for me, but go ahead and be hurt. I can take it. The world can take it. And it's just like, what?
1: You mean just the, the grandeur of that statement? The world can, can yeah. handle Natalie Portman's character's sadness? Like, that didn't seem to be her problem. I don't know. Like Well, we don't really know what her problem is. I mean, the movie starts with this pretty astonishing moment, if you think about it, that you invite a total stranger to your father's funeral at a frat party while saying, come with me to this stupid thing. I mean, it indicates... <laughs> in a way that could be interesting that, you know, you're sort of manipulative, you're sort of needy, you know, you're either really sad or really callous about your father having died, either pretending to be callous or actually callous. Either way, none of those things are ever explored. Yeah. Right? I mean it might have been even more painful actually if we'd had to hear backstory about her father. But <laughs> the point is that these characters don't have any grain or texture at all. Yeah. You don't know why he's a writer or why he wants to be a writer, right? He's in a a production assistant on this high school musical type show and there's a whole subplot about him aspiring to be a writer and eventually writing an episode. But we never see him you know, struggling with any kind of anything creative or or expressing any real dissatisfaction. In fact, it's, it's remarked on at one point that his character is this really happy guy who's always happy. Yeah,
0: you're right. And we know writers, they're not ever
1: described as always happy. I mean, that could have, that could have given him so much more interest too. You know, let's, let's talk about the performances too, because this was basically released because of Natalie Portman. People are going to go see it because of Natalie Portman. My theory is that the reason it has 57% rating on Rotten Tomatoes now is just because there's a lot of Natalie Portman fans who really want to like it because they like her. And I myself have always been someone who is on the border between indifference and dislike for Natalie Portman. I will say that in her last couple of roles, this and Black Swan, I mean, I see that she is a very hard worker as an actress. You know, I see her really laying it out there. She's not at all phoning it in. I may not find her the most nuanced of actresses, but I think she provides some of the draw and some of the appeal for this movie. I still find her irritating, but I have to say that she's trying to go the distance and make this a good romantic comedy. Would you agree?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: I'm, she's trying to be a comic actress, but I think... She's not one of those co- comedian, you know, romantic comedy types that you want to reach out and strangle, right? Like um, like true. Catherine Hagel or who's... Well, Sandra Bullock is kind of becoming that woman <laughs> me
0: as well. Um, one thing Natalie Portman, like, In this movie, she's supposed to be this, like, very sex-positive, very sexual, um, just sort of, like, dirty-mouthed, foul-mouthed girl. And, like, she doesn't—she can't do that. Like, somebody should say, no, that's—you'll never be able to do that because she's such a goody-goody. Right. You know? And it's not just her black swan role. You know? Like, she's just a goody-goody, and that's what she—I don't know. Maybe she can take special acting classes or something, but it'd be like if— Gwyneth Paltrow sort of played this kind of role. It's like, no, you can't do that. You know, it's not believable. Right. Which, to compare it, um, contrast it with, like, a really, I think, overlooked comedy, Going the Distance, with Drew Barrymore and Justin Long from last summer, that was also, like, a sort of raunchy, like, the, you know, they made lots of, like, penis jokes and stuff like that. But, like, when Drew Barrymore did it, it sounded completely natural. And it was exactly what she probably is in real life. And... Um, when Natalie Portman does it it just seems so weird. It's like, oh, you can't do that.
1: But Drew Barrymore also had so much better lines in that movie. I mean, yeah. I, I, I go in the Distance was not perfect, but in terms of the characters having some grain and texture, exactly what I was complaining about with this movie, that there's sort of like two slippery Barbie dolls being rubbed together by Ivan Reitman, <laughs> the director. I mean, Justin Long and Drew Barrymore seemed like real people who were really laughing at each other's jokes and some of the jokes yeah. were funny and worth laughing at. Not only his, but hers. And that in itself was really refreshing, that there was a funny woman in it. And we weren't laughing at her. We were laughing because because she was consciously trying to tell jokes that yeah, were funny. Yeah. And what about the match? I mean, this is so key to any romantic comedy, even remotely working, the match between Kutcher and Portman. Did, did you feel any chemistry between them at any point?
0: No, not really. But it's, I don't feel any chemistry between Ashton Kutcher and anybody, really. He's just he's so bland. He just has no... He, I mean, he used to be a male model, and he sort of just still is.
1: He still there is something sort of sweet and likable about him. He seems like he'd be a fine person to spend time with. But I just saw a review of this movie that compared him to a bowl of rice pudding with a haircut, which is so <laughs> completely true. And the, the, the character kind of plays off that in ways that, again, could have been interesting if it were more explored, you know, that he's this sweet, good guy, and that, you know, he, he brings her a period mixtape when she's on her period, another really embarrassing scene. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if he had sort of been played as the sensitive guy for laughs, that might might have been interesting. It never goes quite far enough, though, to parody that kind of guy. Yeah. Right? Um, and also they, they sort
0: of had to make him sort of this, you know, production assistant and just sort of make him the
1: sad sack that he wouldn't really be in real life. Just yeah, to... though, this is a basic problem with romantic comedy that's pretty extreme with this one, which is that everyone is so good looking and charming, right? I mean, both of them would be total catches in real life. I mean, maybe not for you and me, but, you know, for <laughs> For the people in this movie, there's nobody that you'd want to be with more than this you know, sweet, good-looking bowl of rice pudding and this <laughs> scrawny little doctor. And yet they're both sort of played as these schlemiels who who can't find a date. And so there should have been maybe been more exploration of that. I mean, I would have loved to see something about how her character was so bitchy and so hard to get to know because she was so beautiful. And mm-hmm. that she'd spent her whole life kind of messing up relationships because guys only liked her for her looks. That's what would actually happen to someone who looked like Natalie Portman. Yeah. But I think the movie can't stand to make them alpha dogs, right? They have to be underdogs to be in a romantic comedy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like the scene where she's like stuffing her face with donut holes and crying and you know singing. She, they're trying to make it so hard to make her relatable, and it's just it it doesn't
1: work. We just don't believe that Natalie Portman stuffs her face with donut holes, <laughs> yeah. right? Although she, she um, to be fair, she did have to be told to do that <laughs> by her sister, by Olivia Thirlby, who we should mention. Let's just quickly oh, yeah. talk about some of the. I think there's a whole a bunch of great actors in this movie who are poorly used. Olivia Thirlby as her sister is one who I really like. Um, There's all these underused people. Kevin Klein I think, is really underused and all the scenes with him are really embarrassing when they could have been great. There is that one scene where he plays a birthday song on the piano for his Uh son and sings. And it's just the scene where you think, Kevin Klein can't be cast as an asshole. He's too lovable and wonderful. I want him to be my dad. Um, (laughs) Carrie Elwes is in it in a tiny part. He doesn't get to make any jokes. Yeah, we didn't recognize him.
0: Uh, I I didn't recognize him at all. I, I actually wrote in my notes dr chuck klosterman um, because that's kind of like what he he looks like in the movie with the glasses and the blonde hair and stuff um but then i realized oh my god that's that's wesley
1: you know and then Mindy kaling and greta gerwig are her roommates who get maybe like a couple lines a piece but again it just it feels like a lot of people who are kind of slumming and who could make a much better movie if somebody would just write it for them
0: yeah um greta gerwig i liked her um she's Playing the same character in every movie and it's starting – she needs to change. She needs to, to do something else because like this is – this was her limit. The
1: that big golem thing, earthy, friendly kind of golden retriever girl?
0: Yeah, 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 golden retriever. That's perfect. But, but with like the baby voice and like the big eyes and, you know, all that stuff, it's just – no, you need to grow up now.
1: Okay, Lindsay, because you're one of my comedy go-to people, I'm probably going to drag you to another romantic comedy this year. I'll try to make it I love one. romantic comedies. But I, I just That's what I wanted you to close on is like what do you think about the state of romantic comedy? I feel like I'm so tired of saying that romantic comedy is in a slump, but it's so true. I don't know how to not keep on saying it. Um, well, Going the Distance was good this year, um, last year.
0: Um, yeah, this – I mean, nothing's really keeping these characters apart. I guess they're just trying to find new ways to keep them apart. Um, I mean, this was their attempt to sort of do, like, the opposite of, like, the needy woman thing and, like, have her be the one who's like, I'm not going to get in a relationship and, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I can sort of see how that was originally the idea. Like, oh, what if we kind of switch things around and, like, the girl didn't want a relationship or, like, blah, blah, blah. But, um it instead they just turned her into an asshole and they didn't make her human and there are plenty of I think, women out there who are like that but aren't assholes. And
1: you know, I actually have to say that I fault writers in some way. I mean, I can't really fault Ivan Reitman, the director here. I just feel like he wasn't given good enough material to work with. Mm-hmm. And he has clearly a comic touch. It's the guy who made Ghostbusters, although his last few movies have you know, been in a slump. I just feel like if somebody would hand him a good script, he could make a good romantic comedy. And ultimately, I mean, that is when it comes to repartee, romantic repartee. It's all about the writing. If it's not there in the writing, it's not going to be on the screen. So, what will you say to people who insist on seeing this movie anyway? Because I really do think it's going to get Natalie Portman's name alone is going to be a big draw this weekend.
0: I think at least they will see that um, Natalie Portman is introducing a new character into romantic comedy, which is a version of the manic pixie dream girl, which is the Asperger's pixie dream girl, um, and that it's not good. But okay, here if you want to see it, see it for that reason,
1: right? Well, let's just but hope don't it, no see it. <laughs> don't, and don't run with that idea, screenwriters, if you're out of Yeah. Let her let her die. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much for coming in, and please join me again soon for another Slate Spoiler special. I will, hopefully with a better movie. Our producer is Krishnan Vasudevan. The executive producer of Slate Podcast is Andy Bowers. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. Step into the world of power, loyalty.